Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Iran's quest for the power that comes with the possession of a nuclear arsenal takes place inside a paradox. The Islamic Republic knows full well that it is suspected of edging towards military nuclear potential, and once it is implicated or even suspected of reaching its goal, those nations feeling threatened will strike in order to nip it in the bud. One reason, therefore, that what the Iranians at least really want is to profit by refusing to give up this quest and gain benefits and concessions in exchange for limiting it by reactivating the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. As new president Raisi starts his term, the question is thus, what is the state of play between Tehran, Washington, Jerusalem, London, and Vienna, where the JCPOA renewal and reinforcement talks are being held? To further analyze this topic, we're joined from the United Kingdom by Colonel Richard Kemp, former British infantry commander and head of the International Terrorism Intelligence Team at the British Cabinet Office. Thank you for joining us, sir. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Also joining us from Central Israel is Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kupil Vassil, who is the Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. And uh, here elsewhere in the building is our TV7 analyst and host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, uh, thank you for joining us as well. The circumstances, of course, being uh, the coronavirus, uh, where we had to uh, maintain a uh, healthy distance. Uh, With that being said, let's discuss something less healthy, the Islamic Republic of Iran. What can you tell us about the current situation vis-a-vis this uh, uh, country, which has plenty of uh, aspirations, yet uh, does so uh, in contradiction of international norms and and, uh, uh, international law, for that matter? So the uh, uh, contest uh, against the Iranian Republic, uh, the revolutionary Islamic Republic, is uh, a multidimensional and multi-domain one. And uh, one could, uh, of course, touch on Iraq and Yemen and other places. But the um, main three battlegrounds right now are the nuclear one uh, on which we will focus uh, here in this talk and the Iranian effort to entrench its forces, militias and proxies in Syria in order to take on Israel and to help Hezbollah and a relatively uh, new uh, frontier, the maritime uh, frontier, in which uh, there have been more and more incidents uh, of late. And above all of uh, these different but not separate issues lies, of course, the uh, domestic issue in Tehran of uh, a very frustrated population taking to the streets to protest against uh, the uh, corruption and incompetence of the regime. The calculations of uh, Supreme Leader uh, Khamenei, as you said, the beginning of uh, the Raisi uh, term in office. And uh, in Vienna, 
um, there is something um, of uh, a freeze. Uh, after seven rounds or so of talks uh, indirectly between the Americans and the Iranians through the other parties to the JCPOA, it seems as if everybody is waiting for the Iranians to make the move or make the decisions. Maybe they will not do it when Raisi has his new team in line. Obviously, uh, Foreign Minister Zarif is not going uh, to play uh, such a major role, if, if at all. And uh, the negotiators in Vienna are going to get new directives. All the while, of course, the Iranians are stepping up their effort to accumulate more and more um, enriched uranium. Not to forget, of course, that the new president, Ibrahim Raisi, uh, is and remains sanctioned by the United States for human rights abuses, being uh, one of a panel of four in the uh, early 80s, 83 if I'm not mistaken, uh, where 30,000 uh, Iranians uh, uh, who have been opposing the regime have been condemned to death and hung uh, in uh, uh, the, uh, the country of Iran, um, something that uh, does not seem to bother the European Union too much when they sent uh, Enrique Mora to, to join in uh, the inauguration of this uh, mass murderer. But uh, with that being said, uh, General Kupevas, I'd like to refer the next question to you. Uh, when we're talking about the, the negotiations uh, with Iran, of course, Israel is a spectator uh, to those negotiations, all the while being quite impacted by any result of uh, or outcome that will come out of uh, those talks. Uh, you've been involved in dissuading or trying to dissuade the Americans prior to the 2015 nuclear deal uh, to take into account Israel's wide range of concerns without, uh, uh, of course, infringing on uh, the, the various uh, freedom of action, if you will, of, of Israel, but uh, that was less successful, less tentative years. Is now the current government uh, under uh, the, the uh, current prime minister of Israel, Naftali Bennett, and foreign minister uh, Yair Lapid, considering the shift of policy and trying to align themselves with the American, uh, finding a more tentative ear from the Americans, or are we seeing much of the same of what happened uh, pre-2015? I think what happens now is not that we are finding a better, more listening ear, more tentative ear from uh, our American friends, but uh, that everybody sees the, what is the policy of Iran, and everybody's upset with the policy of Iran. The Iranians are helping us to uh, convince the Americans that they are marching in the wrong direction. And, uh, that's why the, the talks are stuck. And uh, it's not because of the Americans, it's because of the Iranians. The Iranians refuse to accept the American proposal of how to uh, rejoin the, uh, uh, the JCPOA. And uh, it seems that I see is going to be even more stubborn in uh, it's his attitude towards uh, this matter. So uh, it's, uh, it looks as if uh, it's going to be easier for Israel to uh, convince the, uh, the Americans that, uh, listen, this direction, this policy is leading nowhere. Uh, and not only is it leading nowhere, but it gives Iran the time necessary in order to continue to accumulate and reach uranium to high levels, to uh, keep on developing advanced centrifuges, to keep on uh, producing uh, uranium metal, 
Uh, all of those things are happening while you are allegedly discussing with the Iranians uh, the, the future of the Iranian uh, nuclear project. The, the, the project moves forward. So something has to be done about it. I think uh, the Americans may understand that this is the case. The problem with the Iranians is that they have a very low uh, learning curve. I mean, what happened again and again is that at a certain point when they are under pressure and they take all kinds of steps that uh, uh, irritate everybody, uh, at, until a certain point there was no reaction by the international community or even by Israel. But at, uh, from a certain point, the reaction is very harsh. We saw that with the elimination of uh, Qasem Soleimani. Uh, we saw it in many other cases. And uh, what happened recently was, was uh, that the Iranians thought that because the Americans are so uh, eager to rejoin the, the JCPOA, this gives them a carte blanche to do whatever they like anywhere. And they took this uh, step in the context of the naval uh, frontiers uh, Mr. Owen mentioned. Uh, which uh, brought uh, everybody on them. Then the, the international community, maybe at a certain point, maybe this, maybe the, uh, the next move of the Iranians is going to be the, the uh, straw that will break the camel's back. And uh, that's, uh, the Iranians never learned this lesson. This, was, this happened in 2006 uh, in, in Lebanon. This, it, it always repeats itself uh, as always. It happened with, with Hamas in, in the last uh, conf conflict in Gaza in uh, May uh, this year. Again and again, they, they make the same mistake. And this is something as an opportunity for Israel to convince the international community that uh, Iran is a danger. Iran is committed to, uh, to acquire uh, nuclear weapons, a big arsenal of nuclear weapons. That's why we should, and it's a danger for the region. And it's going to help us to convince everybody in the region to how dangerous Iran is for them, because the Iranians bring with them havoc and chaos for wherever they are, in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq, in Yemen, wherever they go, it's a, it's a terrible situation comes with them, including in Iran itself. So it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity for Israel and for the international community to take advantage of that, take care of the threat the Iranians present in the region and in Iran itself with their attempt to uh, develop nuclear weapons and do something about all these issues. Indeed. Colonel Kemp, I'd like to hear your uh, perspective on this, but I'd like also to ask you, as the former uh, British commander of the British forces in Afghanistan, uh, of course, uh, you have uh, your own opinions about the American withdrawal, which uh, brought about also the British withdrawal as well as uh, other uh, NATO uh, allies uh, from that country. Uh, it seems like the Americans are calling the shots with regard to uh, the negotiations uh, uh, about uh, trying to return into compliance with the JCPOA and everything to do with that. Uh, is that a right assessment or are uh, the, the British, the French, the, the Germans calling their own shots or the, uh, providing their own perspectives to the story or uh, what, what is happening there behind the scenes? I think um, <clears throat> the first thing I would question now is whether or not Iran actually wants any kind of return to the JCPOA for real. Obviously, they did at one stage. I think one needs to wonder whether that's still the case um, or whether, in fact, they're simply using the current negotiations uh, with the Europeans directly um, to, to uh, strengthen their own position. And it's important they do that. It's important that they bring every concession they possibly can out of the Americans while giving no concessions themselves whatsoever in order to demonstrate their strength to their own people. The regime, I think, now 
Um, and we've seen, you know, very, very serious demonstrations throughout Iran in the past couple of weeks, particularly. The regime is, is concerned about its own survival. And I think as well as putting down those demonstrations, which Raisi has a, a record of dealing with, dealing very, very brutally with um, such activity, uh, he, he is the ideally placed man to do that. Although, of course, being the man he is, he might well... Um, uh, you know, exceed, he might go, go beyond what is sustainable and make, make the masses much worse. But that is a priority for the Iranian government. And I think showing their people that they are strong and will not be dictated to and will not allow the Americans to and, and the other members of the JCPOA to, to have control or access to their nuclear program, I think is something that um, really does seize them at the moment and, and suggests to me that they're not really serious about... Uh, about any returning in any form to the JCPOA, which is, in my view, is a good thing. Um, as General Kupavasa mentioned, it's certainly not in Israel or the world's interests for the JCPOA to be um, to be reinitiated, uh, because of, it does even even more than what they're doing now. It does sort of legitimately pave the way to a nuclear weapon. I think, funnily enough, I think the Europeans are more kind of driving the current. Uh, determination to get back to the JCPOA than the Americans are. Uh, I think the Americans are actually having some kind of second thoughts over it. They, they may not have concluded what they want to conclude yet, that the people are dealing with it. But I think the Europeans are very, very enthusiastic about returning to the deal and always have been uh, in, in certainly many countries in Europe. Are. And the um, I think, you know, we, we see that we see their almost desperation in that by, as you mentioned, sending a representative to uh, to the inauguration of this mass murderer, Raisi. Um, uh, and, and also, uh, you know, we haven't touched on it yet, but the, the, the attack, recent attack on the Japanese-owned ship that is um, administered by a British company owned by an Israeli, the attack on that, the, the, the European Union is refusing to condemn Iran for that. Now, it's not as if they haven't got the intelligence. I, I'm absolutely certain that if Britain, if the US uh, are privy to the intelligence that may have been provided by Israel on that attack, then the EU will be aware of all they need in order to make a condemnation. But they won't do so because they are frightened of, of doing anything that will prevent, um, that, that will give Iran an excuse not to uh, accede back to the JCPOA. Uh, and, and I think the reasoning for that is, is, is twofold. Firstly, they have their, their economic interests in in maintaining and, and increasing their relations, their economic relations with Iran. Hence, again, they sent their representative to the inauguration. And also, they, the, the EU is a kind of a, a wannabe superpower in search of a mission. And if they were able to pull off on behalf of America uh, the, the re-entry or re-establishment re of the JCPOA, that would be, in their view, a great diplomatic triumph. And they will have that very strongly in their mind. In terms of Afghanistan, all these things are, of course, linked. Iran itself does have major interests in Afghanistan. Um, the, the decision by President Biden to uh, to unconditionally withdraw all forces from Afghanistan uh, without any re reference to the security situation there uh, was a fundamental and a grave mistake, which is now being um, explicitly stated by the the president of um, of Afghanistan, he's he's essentially is accusing the Americans of um, fueling the new 
uh, or really allowing, shall we say, the new uh, offensive that's taking place as we speak in uh, in some of the urban areas of um, of Afghanistan, particularly Lashkar, the capital of the uh, of, of Helmand, the provincial capital of Helmand. Um, he he is basically saying this is because of the the, the um, extremely rapid and and really to a large extent unplanned withdrawal of U.S. forces, which of course encourages the Taliban and even more importantly is a big blow to the Afghan national security forces who. Uh, you know, they're fighting, I think, a brave and a strong battle for Lashkar in particular, and also Herat and uh, Kandahar. But, you know, they, 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 their morale will have taken a big blow, and morale is one of the most important factors in, in warfare. And that, that is something that, of course, has made, ensured that Britain must withdraw. Britain couldn't possibly stay in Afghanistan without the Americans nor the Germans. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a tragedy in Afghanistan for reasons we all understand. The, the, if, the, if the Taliban actually do take these cities and that creates a domino effect and they take over the whole country or most of it, that, that obviously brings devastation to the Afghan people. But also it has global effects. It means mm -hmm. that there will be, uh, almost certainly if Afghanistan is again in the control of the Taliban, it again becomes a safe haven for jihadists from around the world and enables them to launch attacks from there. It results also in a mass refugee problem. Afghans, Afghans are already the second largest refugee population in the world. It's likely that will increase with the refugees going to Pakistan, into Iran, and of course, eventually in large numbers into Europe. So I think that, that those, those things will be all major problems, uh, on top of which it will weaken the US position in the world because those countries that the US is trying to persuade away from China and into the Western sphere will be thinking, well, why would we do this? We have, a, um, we, ha we have a United States that does not stand by its friends and allies, that betrays them in effect, as we've seen in Afghanistan. And we saw the same effect in relation to Saudi Arabia and other Middle Eastern countries uh, over President Obama's uh, po st uh, policy on, on Iran and effectively um, kind of letting down his long-standing long allies in the Middle East. Indeed, this is, of course, a theater of operations that is not touched enough upon uh, here in TV7, for that matter, because we do focus more on the Middle East. But it does impact uh, the Middle East and Israel in particular as well, because of, obviously we are uh, part and parcel of this region. But I'd, I'd like to ask you, Mr. Owen, to what degree does the current situation in, in Iran particularly the, uh, the economic situation, which is quite devastating. There are protests both in the north and in other uh, regions where minorities are the, the dominant factor uh, and are being uh, quite uh, persecuted on a regular basis, not only persecuted, but also shunned uh, from basic commodities to be able to live uh, with dignity. So uh, we see all of this uh, lining up and challenging the regime, of course, uh, time and again on the capacity to truly have uh, a grip on that country. Yet at the same time, we see them uh, trying to expand further, uh, impacting the situation in Yemen, impacting the situation in Lebanon, two countries on the verge of the abyss, and of course, Iraq, which is uh, quite a challenging area of operations. How do you see all of this challenging also Israel's security for that matter, and trying to maneuver in, in such a way that uh, relative stability will still keep Israel safe from possible uh, uh, wider conflagration. 
Well, labor unrest, especially in the oil industry, uh, and if you add to that uh, students taking to the streets and other people, this has always been the nightmare of whoever ruled Tehran uh, from the days of the Shah on. And um, obviously, there is always a debate um, at the uh, top of uh, whatever regime is in there, uh, whether they are acting too harshly or too softly. Uh, what uh, uh, could uh, bring down the regime uh, if they are not calibrating it uh, properly? And there were some hopes in Israel some 15, 20, 30 years ago that such uh, uh, unrest could topple the uh, Islamic regime. But no leader, no Lech Valenza or any one of that caliber has emerged to um, uh, be uh, the sort of person to galvanize the protest movement. And the regime, of course, uh, has bolstered itself uh, with both the IRGC and uh, the Basaj, uh, many layers of uh, protection. And as you all said, um, with uh, brutal uh, policies of uh, suppression. So uh, one uh, may yet see the uh, demise of, of this regime uh, somewhere down the road, but uh, not anytime soon. Now, this has uh, some impact on foreign policy because obviously, just as we saw when um, a, an air defense officer uh, shot down an airliner, of course, the regime will say that, yes, the uh, uh, Mercer Street incident, if proven, uh, can be linked to an Iranian, but not to Iran because it was a rogue operation. Obviously, they will have such a fallback position if uh, they are implicated as, as well uh, they should be, because obviously Israeli intelligence, even though it could not have forewarned uh, the uh, ship's uh, owners and operators that this uh, attack is coming um, after the fact uh, has accumulated all the evidence. Now, uh, right after the attack, it was linked by uh, people in Iran to an Israeli attack uh, uh, against an Iranian uh, facility in Syria. So obviously there is such a connection and all of that connects uh, to what you talked about uh, regarding the, the nuclear business. But one comment, if I may, the Europeans and the Chinese and the Russians did not withdraw from the JCPOA. It was only the Trump administration followed by the Iranians, which is why the Iranians are willing to talk to all the other parties to the deal, but not directly to the Americans. Uh, anyway, one uh, hopes that there are some clandestine channels uh, still being uh, worked on right now in order to find uh, some formula. With that being said, if the Iranians reach a certain uh, uh, line, General Kupelwasser, you already spoke about this in our previous program, which was aired last Friday, uh, Israel has red lines, which it already stated under the Netanyahu leadership uh, at the time. Uh, is this still alive today? Are all the options on the table? And does Israel have the international backing to follow through on those options if it does undertake in a preemptive strike of possibly a uh, nuclear-armed Iran? 
I don't know if the red lines that you used to have in the past are still uh, in, in place. Uh, we have a different government, of course, but uh, and this different government is uh, so committed to uh, discussing any move concerning Iran with the Iranians that uh, the entire idea of a red line is, uh, is blurred now. Uh, but I think we should be very clear on two things. First of all, that we should not allow Iran to have the capability to produce a nuclear weapon. And secondly, that we shall take whatever uh, steps are that are necessary in order to prevent that from happening. And that, uh, these are the things that we should be committed to. And in order to be able to say it uh, with straight face, we have to have a plan and the capability to uh, follow what we are saying. And uh, on that, we heard the, the Israeli chief of staff speaking several times, and the, the Ministry of Defense as well, saying that they are committed to having this plan, they are working on it, and uh, we have a special uh, 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 branch in the, in the uh, uh, chief, uh, chief of staff organization that is committed to dealing with this matter. And uh, I, I hope that we have a plan for that. It's, uh, it's, uh, otherwise, there is no credible threat to deter Iran, because the Iranians uh, are not that aware, afraid from the Americans. The Americans, until, un, up till now, the American administration has not even said that all options are on the table. Something we used to hear from Obama, not only from Trump. So it's, uh, we are dealing here with a situation where the Iranians may think that they have some sort of uh, carte blanche to take all kinds of steps, as I said before, and uh, because the Americans are not going to do anything about it. And they, they are now actually putting them to a test. It's uh, because they crossed a, another uh, red line of, you know, the Americans always were saying, don't dare to kill Americans. If you do kill Americans, then the sky is going to fall. Uh, so they didn't kill an American, but they did kill a British guy. And, uh, and is uh, the United States committed to help go hand in hand with Britain in order to uh, make it clear to the Iranians that this is totally unacceptable and there's a heavy price for doing something like that? I don't know. We shall see. So it's, uh, definitely Israel cannot uh, be a part of this uh, uh, riddle of what Israel is going to do or not. Israel should be clear that it's not going to allow Iran to have the capability to... to have nuclear uh, to uh, to develop nuclear weapons, and uh, that it has the capability to take action if something like that happens. Well, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank uh, General Yossi Kupelvassel, Colonel Richard Kemp, as well as Mr. Amir Oren, and we'll revisit this topic, of course, as it's uh, uh, an ongoing story that uh, unfortunately uh, doesn't see a lot of light at the end of this tunnel. But I'd like also to thank our viewers, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.